Okay, so here we are in the book of Acts, chapter 4. Chapter 4, we have gone through five different weeks of the church in motion, not just looking at what Jesus did, but what Jesus did through his church. Okay, we have seen the church in motion. The active church is a church on mission. We can't do what God has called us to do if we don't stay on mission to know what he's called us to do. Uh, Week two, we looked at the church in motion as a church empowered with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that we're capable of doing without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have said this multiple times, and I'm just being reminded of it each week, that the Holy Spirit, again, is the presence of God in us. He is the promise of God to us, and he's the power of God through us. We cannot accomplish anything without the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Uh, We talked about the devoted church a few weeks ago when I brought up my little toy box and I talked about the four different areas that the church was devoted to. Uh, Last week, Pastor Rob talked about the church that sees. And uh, I just, I love that message because I believe in my heart and I think you all would agree. It means something when you meet someone who definitely sees you for who you are. You know what I mean? I don't mean someone who notices you, but sees you. And I was, I was reminded of a situation, and I'll briefly share it, that I went and I spoke with someone a couple of years ago about something I was wrestling with, and um, he didn't say a word. And I just talked and talked and talked and talked, and I have a tendency to do that. And uh, I was doing that, and he stopped at one point, and he responded to me, and he said, I cannot imagine the amount of stress and weight that you have been under as you've been walking through this. And you know what I did at that point? I said nothing, because in that moment, I, rem- I realized something, that he saw me. Do you know what I'm talking about? You guys have that experience? When someone actually sees you, this is who the church has been called to be. God has called us to see people, not just recognize them, but to actually see them where they are. And people, I mean, we do this, and I'm so encouraged to know that there are so many at Bridge that do this, that they see people, not just from the outside, but really who they've been created to be. Today, we are looking at our fifth week in our series, and we are looking at a church that is a courageous church. It's called the Church in Motion is the Courageous Church. Courageous. Now, when I use the word courageous, what images come to mind for you? When you think about the word courageous, just take a moment and think about what does courage evoke in you? What kind of thoughts and images? Well, um, I did a little research this week and I decided to, to, to do some online searching to figure out what pictures come up when you start searching on the word courageous. And here are a few samples of things that came to mind or that popped up. First one, do you think about something like this when you think of the word courageous? Some of you are thinking, maybe, maybe you have a different word. Courageous, okay. God bless you. What else do you think of? Here's another one. I love this one. (laughs) My dad used to say years ago, there are three things that fall out of the sky. Rain, bird poop, and crazy people. Um, (laughs) And I'm paraphrasing it, but hey, if this is you, God bless you. But there's some courage, right, associated with that. You're never going to see me do it, but um, hey, more power to you. How about this one? This is a little bit different. Okay, here's something that looks a little bit different where people can see you one way and you see yourself another. This is more about, not about the external, but it's more about the internal, your self-image, how you see yourself, courageous person. Um, And then this last one I put up there just because it just struck me. Um, I really hope this is Photoshopped, but... as I looked into it, I realized I don't think it was. So, um, I don't know, maybe he raised him from a, from a little baby fish or something like that. But um, <laughs> courageous is not the word I would use to describe this one. Okay? 
Um, anyway, I wonder if any of these things remind you of the word courageous, perhaps. We're going to talk about a courageous church this morning, and I'm going to show you an object lesson, a little bit of what I think the real definition of courage looks like in the church and how we should walk with courage. And we'll do that in just a little bit. But let me ask you this question. What if it were possible for you to have limitless courage? Talking about being followers of Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, any of you that have had a relationship with Christ for any period of time, I think small or long, would know that there are some things we can read in this word that are absolutely mind-blowing in what people have accomplished and what God has done through people. And courage is all throughout the scripture. What would it be like if you and I could actually experience and live fully courageous life? It's limitless what we could do. Like fear may be for a moment, but it doesn't stop us from being courageous. Do you know what I'm saying? If that is the place that God has called us to be, and I do believe he has called us to do that, how do we get there? What does it look like? We see a passage here in Acts chapter 4 that I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning, and I want to um, share with you something I think that is super important on how we get to being people with limitless courage, and it's simply this. The courageous church is an obedient church. And I have courageous in quotes because today we're not going to talk as much about courage, we're going to talk more about obedience. Because obedience is the pathway to courage. When we want to be courageous in God's kingdom, we start by being obedient. And I want to explain why that matters. Here's why. Because letting God lead us allows us to experience God's power through us. When we let God lead us, okay, when God speaks to us, when God teaches us, when we, when we listen to what he's saying and we simply do what he asks of us, it creates an opportunity for us to experience God's power through us. He speaks, we obey, and the results are up to him. You with me so far? This is really, really like, this will transform the way that you see courage if you've never heard this before. I promise you that because it will absolutely, well, I'll explain why in a little bit, but it absolutely does. Last week, Peter and John, Pastor Rob talked about while they were walking into the temple, they went through a temple gate called Beautiful, and there was a lame, crippled man that was on the side of the gate, and he was lame for almost 40 years, the scripture says. He asked them for money. He asked them to look at them, and they said, gold and silver I don't have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And this man rose up. His legs strengthened, and all of a sudden, a man who couldn't walk for 40, day, or 40 years was actually able to walk. Now, this did two things. If you were here last week or you listened to the message, it, it got people really, really stirred up and excited. Who is this? Who are these men? They did this in the name of Jesus, so they got really excited about this, and it also got some people really irritated. The spiritual leaders got very irritated and angry because the attention was no longer on the religious practices, but it was being diverted, and the focus was on something that they were in disagreement about. Who is this Jesus? We know who this guy was. We killed him. This isn't about what we think is religious and godly, so the... the, the Direction was being altered, and they were getting upset about it. We're going to read verses 1 through 22 in chapter 4 this morning, and then I'll talk a little bit about this. So Acts chapter 4, verse 1, says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see what's happening there? Now, I'm not going to go into details here, but it says the priests, okay? So we're talking spiritual leaders, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they were very upset about this. They were a group of spiritual leaders. People would always say they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's how you remember that. They were sad, you see, because they didn't, remember, they didn't believe in that. And Jesus was being preached and proclaiming the resurrection of the dead was what Peter and John were talking about. Look at verse 3. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage, look at verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. Those were the spiritual leaders. And then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer in anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Isn't that incredible? Think about this. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing that he was healed. What's really amazing about that after is that the spiritual leaders, the professed, the greatest understanding of God, wanted them to stop what they were doing. Right? Isn't that crazy? I mean, we're not in this place, but they could not see Jesus for who, they, who he was. And what we see is Peter and John walked in great courage. What do we know about them? Peter and John, it alluded to it a little bit when they said that they they took note that they were with Jesus. But these were common men, Peter and John. They followed Jesus for three years as students, and he was their teacher. Jesus said that they would do, and he wasn't just talking to the 12, but he was talking to the future of the church, that we would do greater things than he would even do. Why? Because he wasn't going to be there very long, and then the world was going to be able to proclaim the gospel through truth and miraculous wonders. Jesus said they would spread the good news to the entire world, the message, the miracles, and people believed in this truth. They spoke to thousands of people with the spiritual leaders 
of the time present, and they were capable of hearing what they were saying. What am I saying? These unschooled, ordinary, average guys spent a few years with Jesus, were able to proclaim and speak truth that didn't just hit the ears of the listeners, but penetrated their hearts. And thousands of people responded to this truth. Pretty amazing courage, wouldn't you say? Amazing courage for men to do that. Going back to verse 13, look at 13 and 14. When they saw the courage, right? There it is. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I love that. We don't know what happened. We're upset about what you did, but everyone else is happy about it. The courageous church. Man, they saw the courage. There's three things I want to say about that, and there's highlighted here that I want to mention and why I'm connecting courage with obedience. Because the leaders saw the courage and the power, but they also saw the weakness. Think about this. They saw the power of the miracle. What happened? The man was what? He was healed, right? They saw the miracle. They saw the weakness in the men, recognizing they were unschooled, they were ordinary, average people, and they also noted that they spent time with Jesus. So what did they see? Three things that happened. Power, weakness, and relationship. See how that works? That's what they saw, all three of those things. So I'm telling you this because the courageous church is an obedient church. Specifically, who we're obedient to? We are obedient to following Jesus. As he is our teacher and we are his student, courage is a result of obedience. If I am calling you to, or if I'm calling you, if someone's telling you to focus only on being courageous, that is a problem because focusing on the need to be courageous places the results on me. Be stronger. Be more courageous. Stop being fearful. That puts the results on me. Does it make sense? And it feels almost overwhelming. You have to do this better. You have to do this more. You have to, you have to, you have to. And I go, I feel overwhelmed. Because I know myself, and I know many times in the journey that I walk in, there are things I look at that I think, I I can't be like that. So if I spend my time focusing on the need to be courageous, it places the results on me. But if I focus on the need to being obedient, it places the results on God. God doesn't call us to be courageous in the way the world defines courage. He calls us to be obedient. And as we are obedient, in our weakness, his power is made perfect. See how this works? This is not about my ability. This is not about my skill. It's not about your qualifications or your resume. It's not about any of those things. And this is what's so beautiful about the gospel. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Which means anyone can be whatever he he wants them to be. I think about example after example over the years of people, and he continues to remind us in the Old Testament, and especially in the New, he talked to them. And you know, a parallel scripture that that I believe is directly connected to this is from Matthew 10, 16 through 20, when Jesus sent out his disciples. He sent them out in the moment, but it was prophetic moving ahead. And look what he said in verse 16. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. There's an encouragement, Right? Hey, get ready to get eaten alive. That's basically what he's saying. <laughs> what? What? And then he's saying, okay, if someone told you to go do something and they said, just so you know, you're going up against wolves and you're a sheep, how confident would you be in that? <laughs> no thanks, Jesus. I'm a sheep. I mean, have you seen sheep? 
I mean, there's just articles that are out there sometimes about like sheep that they find after like 20 years that they forget about it. And they have like, you know, like 600 pounds of wool on them. And they're just kind of like walking around. Have you seen these sheep that I'm talking about? I mean, it's amazing. The hundreds and hundreds of pounds of wool. And you go, why are you telling me that? Because they're not capable of even taking care of themselves. And if he says to his disciples, you are like sheep and I'm sending you out among wolves. What is he saying? You're going out weak. Therefore, he says, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Look what he says in 17. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. I love this encouragement. (laughs) Your sheep, be aware and alert. You're going to go before leaders and they're going to beat you. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And look what he says in 19. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what you say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. See what he's doing here? He's saying, I'm not calling you to be courageous. I'm calling you to be obedient. God called his church not to be courageous. He said, you don't need to be, because if we try to do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. But he says, just be obedient to what I'm calling you to do. And what you will find is as you continue to be obedient in your weakness, in your weakness, you will see power. In your weakness, you will see strong strength. In your weakness, you will see courage and you'll say, where did that come from? And you'll know right in that moment, it's not has anything to do with you. It has everything to do with the power of God working through you. You with me? This is so important for us to understand. We see it all through Acts. In Acts chapter 7, if you went there, Stephen spoke to the crowd after he was full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was one of the first. He was one of the elders. I'm not the elders. One of the deacons that were chosen in Acts chapter 6. Full of the Holy Spirit. He spoke full of the Holy Spirit and he was killed and martyred for the message. But he was courageous, not because of him, but because of the Spirit of God in him. In Acts chapter 8, it tells us how the Spirit told Philip to go near the chariot where the Ethiopian eunuch was trying to read and understand the book of Isaiah. But the Spirit of God told him to go. And it wasn't the courage of, of Philip that went. It was the obedience. And as a result of that, the eunuch was saved. And as a result of that, the eunuch said, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he was able to baptize the man who was going all the way back to Africa, to Ethiopia to be able to share the gospel with those that didn't hear. And in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John called the lame man to walk. And who do they call the, the healing in? The name of Jesus. Not in the name of Peter. Not in the name of, of John. I love it. When we get to Acts chapter 10, and Peter walks into Cornelius' household, who's a Roman centurion, they immediately they are like, oh, Peter. We know. And he goes, get up. He goes, I'm just an everyday man like you. I mean, we're going to get there. I mean, so I'm not trying to jump ahead. But he recognizes that all the way through. I am nothing. Jesus is everything. Being obedient is the pathway to being courageous. Remember that this morning as we continue to walk through. Because letting God lead us allows God to us to experience God's power through us. That is the message we see in Scripture. That is how it works in our lives. And rather than give you silly illustrations of how the word sees courage, I thought I'd give you an illustration that connects with me this morning to demonstrate what I think it really means to be courageous in God's kingdom. Okay? Relax. (laughs) Some of you are like, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? Okay. I think everybody understands this is a bat, right? Um, Baseball bat. Imagine, if you will... 
that as a follower of Christ, you were on a baseball team and you're up to bat, okay? You've got a bat, you're at the plate, and you're ready to swing. Pitcher throws you a ball and it's a fastball. Strike one, strike two, strike three. You will strike out at some point if you don't swing and that pitcher is a good pitcher, right? You're going to strike out. I mean, if he's just throwing balls, you're going to walk. But if he's a good pitcher and he can throw a good pitch, you're going to strike out. And you know what's going to happen if you never swing? You'll strike out and you won't score. You'll never get on base. If you can imagine this with me just for a moment, the pitch is the opportunity God gives us. God provides a pitch. That's a softball pitch, sorry. He throws a pitch. That's our opportunity every day of our lives. The power is in us. And that's what happens when we swing. We're not the ones that have the power. It's the spirit of God in us that has the power. Do you know what our responsibility is? To make a decision to swing. If you never swing, you'll never get on base. If you never swing, you'll never see God's power. If you never swing, you won't see his power working through you because he's calling you to obedience. He just says, when I throw the pitch and the pitch comes your way, trust me. Keep your eye on the ball. When it's the right opportunity, make a decision here to take a step and to swing. And when you do that, all of the power that he's put in you begins to be set in motion. You hear me? And if he puts you on first base, great. If you hit a home run, great. If you hit a grand slam, that's great. Sometimes we swing and we miss. Sometimes we do things like pray for patience. And here comes the pitch. (laughs) I'm going to swing in Jesus' name. Whoops. I messed up that one. Sometimes the pitches and the opportunities that God gives us, we try to swing at and we miss. Can I tell you, don't stop swinging. If God wants to do something in your life, if God wants to do something and develop it in your life, he's going to keep throwing pitches your way. If he's calling you to a specific ministry, he's going to keep throwing pitches your way. And you have the power in you, and I have the power in me through the Holy Spirit. He simply asks us to keep swinging. He's asking us to say, be obedient and do what I'm asking you to do. Even sometimes when we don't know what the outcome is. I love those videos. There's a, there's a really awesome video, and I'm, forgive me for not knowing the details of it, but there's a, there's a guy, and years ago, he wasn't, a great, uh, um, he wasn't a great baseball player, and he, he swung, and he hit the ball, and he barely ever got on base, and he didn't even realize that in that moment he hit a home run, and he like dove into base because he didn't think he was going to make it. He was trying to steal second and he ran back and dove back into first base. And everyone was laughing at him because they're like, dude, you just hit a home run. Like, get up and he'd ran. And he was like, what? That's never happened to him. And I'm sharing that story with you because sometimes we are absolutely surprised and you will be surprised that when you choose to swing because God's calling you to swing, you have no idea where that's going to go. You have no idea where that's going to go. Take an examination of your own personal life and ask yourself, Are you trying to do better? Are you trying to just work harder? Are you trying to be courageous in your own strength? Or are you spending your effort and your focus saying, I'm going to be obedient. And whatever God tells me to do today, 
I'm going to continue to do. If you feel like God has led you to write a book, then get up tomorrow and write a page. If you feel like God has called you to write music, get up tomorrow and write a verse. See how this works? If he's called you to work in a specific field or a specific area of ministry or a specific corporation, get up tomorrow and take one step and take a swing and see what God does with it. You never know what is going to happen unless you take a swing. If God has been putting in you a burden to see people healed supernaturally in this world, because God is still a God who heals today, just like he did 2,000 years ago. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, there are some people that think he's going to heal everything that they touch. And, hey, I mean, go for it if you want. I mean, but listen for what he's asking you to do. And if he's putting that burden on you, you don't have to heal everyone tomorrow, but you should pray for someone who needs healing. Are you praying for people? If God's put the gift of prophetic words in your heart or discernment, are you exercising those gifts? If he's put generosity in you, are you taking a step every day? You see, this has nothing to do with anyone else's doing. It's simply, what is God birthing in your heart and are you taking a step? So many times over the years, I've heard people say things, God's going to do great things through me. I know God has a plan with me. 15 or 20 years ago, someone prophesied this thing over me that this thing was going to happen, and I'm standing on that prophet prophecy. And I'll look at them and say, what have you done with that prophecy? What do you mean? God just said he's going to do it. What have you done with that prophecy? You see, guys that make it in the Baseball Hall of Fame for like total number of home runs, probably not even true. I don't even know if you can get in the baseball hall of fame for home runs, but the home run hall of fame or whatever they would say, they swing at a whole lot of pitches and they keep swinging and they keep swinging because they know that if they keep swinging, they're going to get more and more contact and God can trust you with more and more. So whatever your role is, whatever he has called you to do, pray for the person who needs help. If God is calling you with a heart of compassion, you know what? This is a dangerous one, but I'm going to challenge you on this. People wrestle with abuse and victims, this stuff where they've been hurt over the years and they've been wounded. And, and if you're still walking through those difficult, hurtful things and you've not been healed from it, this doesn't apply to you right now. But can I tell you, if you've been healed from that to the point where you can talk about it with other people, share your story. That requires you to be incredibly vulnerable. But can I tell you, if you've been healed from it, your pain, which has resulted in healing, will help someone else come to healing. You understand? Don't keep it into yourself. Share it. People will come out of the woodwork when you share your stories of pain because the world has tons of stories where people have experienced pain. Share your story. Cook a meal for someone. Babysit a child for struggling young parents. Open a door for someone. Say hello to someone today that you've never said hello to. Like for some of you, it could be just that difficult to say, wow, that's a big step for me to do that. And that's okay. You see, this isn't about what someone else can do. When God opens a door of opportunity for you, we have the responsibility to obey and we have the responsibility to swing. What has he called you to this morning? Our worship team is going to come up here and we're going to close in just, a mil- in just a moment. But what I would like you to do is I want to just mention something as a church that we've done and why we're ending a bit early this morning. 11 years ago, this church started Boxes of Love. 11 years ago. 
we found 20 families in our community, 20 families that we thought could be blessed and benefit by the food that we were going to give them. And it was Thanksgiving when we did it at that point. That was 11 years ago. We did it by ourselves. There were no organizations involved. We raised the funds ourselves and we blessed the 20 families. And it kind of went off okay, but it wasn't amazing. Today, there are seven churches that participate in Boxes of Love. Today, there are 12, or there are 10 of our 12 North Penn Elementary schools that request Boxes of Love. Today, there's a Philadelphia Elementary School that requests Boxes of Love. There are not one location or two locations, but now three locations of the North Penn Boys and Girls Club that request Boxes of Love to help their students. And many years ago, one of my friends that was connected with one of those organizations came to me and said, we have been trying to make inroads in this community with that group for years, and it hasn't worked. What are you guys doing for them to be able to see the benefit and to begin partnering with you? And I said, all we have done is taken a step of obedience and started feeding people in the community. Now, this does take a level of faith, and I can tell you over the years, we've had people that have told us, connected in our church, I'm not going to be a part of something like that because we can't share the gospel with the food. So unless I can bring the food to someone and basically, you know, say Jesus loves you or talk about it, I can't, I'm not going to do that. And, and I said, well, you do you. We're, we're going to do us. You're going to do you. And that's okay if you choose to do that. But here's what I do know. Sometimes God calls us to take a swing. Sometimes he asks us to swing and just to continue and to say, trust me, don't worry about what it's going to look like. As you walk in faith, you're going to see courage manifest and you will see the results. And you know what's so beautiful about that when we do it? The results don't come from us. God gets all the glory and all the credit. So today there are seven churches that are excited about this. There are 10 schools. There are three locations of the Boys and Girls Club. There's a Philadelphia elementary school that gets food. There are corporations that we've worked with over the years. A few years ago, one of them gave us thousands and thousands of pounds of sausage to give away. Some of you remember this a few years ago because they said, we don't know who to give it to. It just came in. How about that church that's doing that thing during the community? And we were able to send sausages to men's shelters and the homeless shelters that never would have gotten it and it all would have been thrown away. So I'm just telling you, God opens doors when we see the pitch and we take a swing. And if you want to see God do something in you today, swing at whatever's coming your way and watch what he's going to do. The worship team is going to close in a song this morning, but while they close, I just want to ask you to take a moment of reflection and be reminded of the fact that Jesus is faithful and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. We are going to take some time this morning and we're going to end early and we have our boxes of love set up through our lobby and through our tent and we're going to decorate them this morning so if you need to leave early you do you that's okay but if you can stay for the next whatever period of time and say i want to grab a box top i want to grab my kids i want to decorate a box have some coffee hang out with people and have a good time can i tell you god loves it when the church of jesus christ responds with our hands and our feet amen So let's stand and just take a moment and we're going to sing this song.